You're listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number 420. Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Station with a ho ho ho. Yes, Christmas is almost upon us. In fact, 10 days from today. And I'm sure everyone is rushing around, either shopping or doing lots of jobs around the house before the in-laws or other friends arrive. You know, the ones who like to inspect the premises closely to see if you've decorated since the last time they visited. Yes, I'm doing the same. Actually, well, slightly different. Getting ready to move the business lock, stock and barrel. And I'm finding I'm trying to fit a quart into a pint pot. But that's an entirely different story. So, after all your jobs are done and the food is in the fridge, the presents are wrapped, the tree is up, the lights are on, it's time to sit back Put your feet up and catch up on some serious podcast hunting to find some good quality, well-produced and entertaining podcasts to escape into as you settle back into the sofa and relax. In podcast number 412... I introduced you to two outdoor-based podcasts, the Adventure Sports Podcast and the Tough Girl Podcast. They are activity-based podcasts, and feedback tells me you've enjoyed going through their back catalogue to find some gems. Well, in this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to a couple more, which I hope you'll enjoy as much as I have. These are slightly different to the norm, as creativity, editing and structure adds a whole new dimension to the story-based content. Yes, stories. We all have one and like a good story. So if you enjoy being plugged into your earbuds and taken away to faraway places on adventures, these will be right up your street. Have I piqued your interest? Of course, all the links will be on the Outdoor Station website and I would encourage you to give feedback to them if you enjoy what you hear. We all enjoy some feedback in this lonely digital world we inhabit. It inspires us to do better, invest more time and work a bit harder. Which is why James Hamilton is our executive producer for this show. He gave us feedback in the form of making a donation on our sponsorship and support page. Just like the entries in our monthly competition, every little helps with our ongoing and ever-increasing production and hosting costs. So a big thanks to you, James. It is much appreciated. So the first podcast I'm going to bring in is Mountain which you can find over on mountainpodcast.com. A simple title which belies the amount of work and skill behind it. As you'll hear, it isn't surprising given that the producer, Christopher Slight, is a BBC journalist. However, this production is independent of the BBC completely. And for that reason, it holds true to the ethos of podcasting. So Christopher starts with his elevator speech. You know, it's always a really hard question to answer 
And people ask me that quite a lot. And you're expected to know exactly what it's about. But in a way, I sort of feel like I can define it a bit more by saying like what it isn't. It's not uh, an extreme sports podcast. It's not like a discussion forum, a talk show or a news show. Uh, I suppose, I mean, I like to describe it as it's a highly produced mix of interviews and location sound and music, which I bring together to hopefully tell really immersive stories. Its tagline is in iTunes, I think, is a, a podcast about adventure in wild places. So that probably gives you a pretty good flavor of what it is. It, it's definitely very story driven and very people driven. Well, certainly for somebody like myself who is passionate about audio and creating pictures in the mind with it i must compliment you on the actual content it is certainly as as i would expect knowing you a bit more now it is of the highest level and extremely entertaining and engaging uh, you really is one of those podcasts that uh, i actually have to listen to it right to the very end before i carry on with whatever job i intended to do well that is always good to hear i mean i say to people that the highest compliment you can ever pay a radio producer is, is if you say to him or her, oh, do you know, I was sat in the car and I just had to wait until your program or your podcast finished before I got out or, uh, you know, exactly that. I, I I listened to it in bed and had to stay awake to the very end. I was so compelled to hear it. And, I mean, that is when when you hear people say that as a as a storyteller, it's it's very gratifying. So thank you. <laughs> you're more than welcome. Now, I know you're you're working in Scotland at the moment for the BBC. I, I'm sure I'd heard your voice before. I think it was on Scotland Outdoors. I think you've done a stint on that. I did. I did. I mean, in a way, that was my introduction to radio features. I'd done bits of radio before in the newsroom, but I went off on secondment to the, well, it's known on Radio Scotland as the Out of Doors programme, and its podcast is called Scotland Outdoors. So uh, it's a weekly live programme, and when I was there, we used to reversion that live programme into a podcast as well. Uh, And I spent uh, three, almost four years, very, very happy years on that programme. It was an absolutely wonderful programme to work on. So what drew you to creating your own series? Well, I I mean, put simply, I had a huge pile of stories that I wanted to tell and I didn't really have a platform to tell them. So I went off to Out of Doors on secondment at Radio Scotland, which originally, I think, for two months, I managed to spin it out for for three or four years, as long as I possibly could. But eventually, I came back to the newsroom. uh, And that was was fine. And it was expected. I knew I was going to go back at some point. But it was quite frustrating for me. I, I had a big sort of pile of feature stories that are difficult to tell in a news environment. And you know, I have this this sort of deep love of the outdoors, a deep love of radio, uh, and a deep love of telling stories. And I just thought, well, I, I have to find a way of of bringing all these things back together. And and these days, you can just do it. You can just start a podcast. You have to ask permission. You can just go and do it. So that's what I did. Well, certainly one of my favourites, and I think it's been a popular one amongst your listeners, has been your number five, uh, The Angel of Kimasunari. And Well, my wife was half listened to it and then just came in and sat down and listened to the rest of the story as well. I mean, it is proper. It is a proper 
depth story. And it, I think one of the things that captures it most of all for people that have experience of, of bodies, particularly in Scotland, is you, you can visualise the environment because you know exactly what it's like. You know how cold it is. You know how windy it is. You know how lonely it is and windswept. And when you started putting the, the characters into that and then start to link them together right at the very end of the podcast, it was really, it was beautifully, beautifully crafted. It was superb listening. Well, thanks very much for that. Yes, it's definitely a, a popular uh, episode. I, I recently asked my listeners uh, to recommend a couple of episodes to people who have maybe just learned about the podcast and were just subscribing now. Back, you know, when it was only just a few months old, people tend to just start at number one and go. But once you've you've got a year's worth of episodes in, I thought people might like a good place to dive in, and and that one always comes out as a uh, you know top recommendation. But interestingly, on that podcast, the, the central character Duncan McCallum I had actually been chasing him for years to do that story. I, I first read the you know the story of that episode many many years ago. I really, really wanted to do it for radio, but I, I approached him when I was, at, you know, working on Out of Doors, and he didn't want to do it. And it, I think one of the reasons that he didn't was because it feels a bit intimidating. It's this sort of giant broadcast platform. Whereas when I went back to him, you know, a little bit later with the podcast, and I think podcasts are like that. They feel a bit, uh, and, and I know some of them are huge and have giant audiences but it just feels a bit more a bit smaller and a bit more manageable and a bit cozier in a way and, and I quite even when you have a big audience I quite like that sort of cozy feel you get with a podcast and I, I think part of that is the way that most people listen to them which is gen generally with headphones in sort of in the car or in bed or at least enjoying a bit of peace and quiet um not most of the time I'm not listening to them like I listen to the radio uh, when I listen to the radio I'm generally doing other things as well i think podcasts are different like i certainly think the content of the podcast when they're repurposed from radio have got a completely different feel regarding the intimacy compared to to the sort of things that we're doing now and you're doing i think there's a there's a much more um uh, closer relationship perhaps with the listener in the process um but uh, i mean your your work is obviously at bbc level all the way through from the actual structure and the the way it's put together and the actual total gloss the finish to it so uh, give me an idea how long does your average episode take because i'm sure they must all vary slightly they do vary slightly what i find is is that uh, a podcast that might be slightly easier to record generally has a sting in the tail in the editing or the storytelling and the structuring of it um, and ones that are, are very very complicated and difficult to record um, occasionally are, are a bit easier to edit I'm not quite sure why that is but there's there's a good amount of sort of research and filtering that goes on right at the front it's, it's and it's difficult to quantify how long that takes sometimes I hear about a story or someone tells me and I just say well, I can just see that. I can see exactly how that's going to fall into place right away. And, and it, it generally is that easy. And then you, you put in a couple of calls and if everybody's happy to, to record it, off you go. And then some of them require um, weeks and months. And you know, the, the episode that you mentioned, episode five, actually took uh, several months of putting things together before I was ready to record it. Um, the recording process Sometimes it can be done in a day. Sometimes I do it in dribs and, and drabs, um, you know, bits over 
over Skype, sort of down the line, as we'd say in in, in radio terms. Um, and then the editing process is probably the most involved. And I reckon that including the sort of logging of my material, what I've got, and putting together um, a first rough cut probably takes me about a day and a half. And then I might do like a, a day of of proper sort of editing on it to get it to uh, a, a state where I then give it to someone else, uh, a very good friend of mine called Hugh, who I worked with uh, in, in sort of radio for a very long time. Uh, taught me everything that I need to know. And he listens to it and sort of gives me some pointers. And it, it's absolutely invaluable, really, because by the time you've been immersed in editing these things for hours and hours and hours, you can lose your way a bit. You can certainly lose a sense of what's working, what isn't working. Uh, and you can always tell what's really, really good. But sometimes it's quite hard to sort of nibble around the margins of that and work out the bits that maybe don't help the story so much. So he, he has a listen and then we have a, a good long chat about that. And then I sort of take it back into the studio. And sometimes it can just be a, another couple of hours. Sometimes it can be maybe a full day sort of recutting things. Uh, and then there's the bit at the end, which you'll be very familiar with as well, with all the, it's not just the editing, the audio, there's the, the actual publishing bit and the writing of show notes and the social media side, which always seems to, the newsletters, which always seem to suck up huge amounts of time. So I, I try not to think too much about exactly how long it takes to produce it because, uh, uh, it's probably far too long than I want to be spending on it. But that gives you a rough idea of of how long uh, I spend maybe. The, the, the core part is the edit, and that's I think I need a solid three days for that. The actual part that I did want to ask you was, and you sort of hinted on it already, was the finding the stories, finding the people, because a lot of these stories have got, they're like onions, aren't they? They're layers. And as you get to know somebody a bit more, they say something else and something else peels back and then you get deeper into a story. It is and it isn't. God, I hate it when people say that. It's meaningless, isn't it? <laughs> it's like I have a huge pot of stories, basically, that um, probably two or three dozen sitting there uh, sort of listed in a iPhone note somewhere of stories that I want to do. And a lot of it actually comes down to the practicalities of where are these people? Uh, where are the locations we need to get to? And what are their availability? Because I work full time, I have to do most of this stuff at the weekend. And, uh, you know, occasionally I'll take time off, but I try and avoid that. So a lot of it, a lot of it does come down to, yeah, just simple logistics, just like any radio. And when I, you know, produced a live program for several years, and it's exactly the same. Um, so you have this idea of what you really want to do, but there are, you know, the logistics are in the way all the time. But then, I mean, it, it's interesting what you say about the layers because there are many stories as well where I've had a, a very good idea. Right, I want to do this story. And I want to do it because and then actually during the process of recording it, it turns into something else entirely. And a good example of that would have been my episode two, the definition of adventure, which was a, a really 
easy story to find because it was my story and it was just a question of going back and, and reading some diaries and calling out my old pal and Kendall, Andy, and saying, do you, mind, do you want to do an interview? And he said, fine, yeah, come down for the weekend. So that bit was easy. But during the course of interviewing him, I thought, no, this, is, this isn't really a, a story about what I thought it was going to be. If I ever go on a story and I don't have an idea of what I think it's going to be, then I get completely lost. And I find it's a lot easier to tear up that first draft and pivot to something else than it is to think, to go into recording thinking, oh, the story will just reveal itself because it never does or not very easily anyway. Well, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking about the two podcasts you did involving the fiddle player. Yeah. with So this was um, a seat of all seats. So that... Uh, actually, that that one was quite because I had an idea. I wanted to do something on place names for and and Gallic place names particularly for quite a while, but that was yeah that was that was quite a, a difficult one to put together and required huge amounts of, of research, not just on my part but also on on Anna who was was so brilliant. The woman I interviewed for that story so brilliantly sort of took me on this journey through landscape and place name but but yeah out of that you know i wanted to get music um from a fiddle player who played traditional scottish music and yeah from that grew an entirely separate story which in the end is sort of i decided right i can't actually squeeze this into the main podcast and uh, the main episode and, and i did a little sort of bonus episode afterwards where um you know I, in fact it was after i'd recorded all the music with her that, uh, you know, she sort of said at the end, oh, by the way, I, I didn't sort of tell you about my, my grandmother actually living at the foot of this mountain. So um, we ended up doing a little interview and making a, a, a bonus episode out of that. But that's, that's the wonderful thing about recording these things. And I'm sure you find it as well. Um, you know, sort of sitting down with people and doing in-depth interviews and in that you do your research uh, as, as much as you can and you learn about them. But the best interviews are the ones that, take you in a direction that you never expected very much so and usually when people say something just offhand and, and actually mm. when you grasp it and take that a bit further it really opens up something completely different um talking about music you uh, obviously have a good smattering of ver- a variety of music through your productions how just a slight aside really podcast problems how do you get around the prs mcps issues with regards to music I don't use commercial music is the short answer. I'm very, but I am very, very careful about the music I pick. Uh, and the other thing I do, which we've just talked about, is is work with musicians. And I've done that a couple of times. Uh, so I did it with Siobhan, the fiddle player. And then also for episode nine, I worked with a, this really talented uh, young musician called Sophie, who uh, composed some of the music for the podcast. And that is, I mean, I... Uh, you know, I, I love music. I love mixing music in, into speech. And it's intensely satisfying working with somebody who's specifically writing something for you. It's, it's a really, really satisfying relationship to have and to be able to sort of custom build something just for that podcast. I, I love doing that. And I, I, I would love to work with any other musicians who, who are interested in doing so. And tell me a bit about your, your audience. What are you finding the your reach is at the moment? What type of people and, and what sort of feedback are you getting? Well, the audience is mainly in the UK. Um, follow, I mean, overwhelmingly so, probably sort of 80, 85%, uh, followed by a, sort of my audience in the States uh, and then sort of rest of Europe. And then, and then occasionally I'll pick up 
um, you know, bits of audience from other areas of the world. So I've just had a podcast about Spain and I suddenly noticed lots of uh, Spanish names appearing in my sort of followers list on Twitter. And the same happened from episode nine, which was set in Afghanistan. Suddenly you find that sort of listeners from that part of the world. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I, I get, I mean, one of the most in intensely satisfying things is the feedback you get through uh, Facebook, Facebook and, and Twitter particularly. I mean, they're the main sort of social media platforms I use. You know, working as a, as a broadcaster, a journalist for many years before the existence of social media, you never really had this back channel. You'd only ever get angry emails. That was it. It was anything you got or, or letters or whatever. And I, I just find it amazing uh, that I can have such a close connection with my audience. Um, uh, and that connection sometimes grows into stories as well uh, and, and has done. And, and that is also a, an amazing thing to me. And I, and I love that. I love that connection you can have. And talking of podcasts generally, which ones do you sort of listen to yourself? Which ones do you sit back and, and get yourself absorbed in? Wow. Right. Okay. I mean, I have a huge amount of podcasts that I listen to and I'm not making them. I'm generally listening to them. But uh, I mean, if uh, ones that aren't involved with the outdoors, I mean, they're the ones that there are ones that everyone will be familiar with, like This American Life and Radio Lab. Uh, and the, the, there are shows also uh, in the States, and uh, most of them in the States, actually. Uh, Criminal is a, a really, really good show, um, which is uh, produced out of North Carolina. Um, several of the uh, Gimlet Media shows, the so Gimlet Media is an independent a commercial organization, but commercial organization is making a profit from podcasts, but still has, I think, still has a sort of many of the NPR values values in it but they do a, a huge amount of good shows like reply all heavyweight is my the latest one that i really enjoy listening to most of them are probably the, the sort of the built features are quite highly produced in the style of this american life and that that, that that sort of thing that i listen to i listen to a few um talk shows as well there's if, if you're into technology there's a network in the states called five by five and they do quite a lot of talk shows that i like listening to um, uh, outside magazine have just started a podcast as well um which uh which is is quite good it's a mixture of sort of of, of features and uh long form interviews probably most of them yeah are in the states i think the the u.s has a, a much more sort of mature market for podcasts than, than we do over here um may, maybe partly because uh the, the independents are all competing against this big beast called the BBC. <laughs> Every month, we're holding a special competition where you can win some fabulous outdoor gear. It's a great way to support the outdoor station. The more entries we get, the better the future prizes. During the month of December, the prize is a complete hammock camping setup by DD Hammocks. And this includes a multicam frontier hammock, a multicam 3x3 tarp, the tarp DVD, 30 metres of multicam cord, and to finish off your hammock camping look, a DD sweatshirt, a DD t-shirt, and a DD cap, to a total combined value of £158. Simply answer the following question and text in your A, B or C answer before the closing date of the 31st of December and you will be automatically entered. You can enter a maximum of five times from the same UK registered mobile phone number. 
So this month's question is, the mountain Ben Nevis is located in which country? Is it A, Scotland, B, England, or C, Wales? To be in with a chance of winning, all you have to do is text OUTDOORS and your answer of A, B or C to 82055. Or post your answer with your name and contact phone number to competition, the outdoors station, unit 19 Signet Business Centre, Hanley Swan, Worcester, WR80EA. Entries are open to anyone aged 16 plus and you must have the bill payer's permission. Texts cost £1 plus your standard network rate and the competition closes at the end of each month. Entries received after that date will not count but you may still be charged. The winner will be contacted within three days of the competition closing and they may appear in future programmes. For full rules plus terms and conditions, please go to theoutdoorstation.co.uk slash competitions. The Travel Stories podcast is another immersive, creative and absorbing production by Hayden Lee, who allows guests to tell their stories enhanced by sound and music, which takes it far beyond a normal interview. Over on the travelstoriespodcast.com, you'll be taken to many exotic destinations and experiences in their extensive back catalogue. Hayden explains how it all began. So the Travel Stories podcast came about through, well, I guess it was when I came back from traveling this one time. I'd just come back from India. I got dengue fever, right? And so I came back and I had all these stories to tell people. And it got to that point very quickly where they, they would say, man, I've heard this story before. You've told me this three times now. And I'd think, oh, no, I need more stories. right? And then it got me thinking about travel and the way that it does give us these stories that kind of live on with us forever and we can tell people. But the fact is, you can tell people these stories, but you really have to be there for a lot of these things. You don't get the smell, the sounds, the tastes and the real vibe of where these stories come from when you're just hearing them from a friend or something like that. And there are a lot of travel podcasts out there that are very action-based, that are very go to this hotel, that are very this is how to pack lightly. We we love those. Uh, I listen to a lot. I actually edit a few of those, but we didn't want to be one of those. So we come at it from a different angle. It is a travel podcast with stories that have compositions on them done by our composer. He composes an original score for each thing. Foley sound. It is entertainment as opposed to education. Nice. Okay. Well, certainly yours stands out from many others having that streak of creativity that goes through it rather than sort of the functional interviews that a lot of them uh, involve. What inspired you to give it that creative streak? Well, I guess it comes from the people that people that are making it. So when I first started it, it was just myself. And uh, I come from a creative background. I mean, my my mother's a hippie and she she always was. And and I, I've been a musician almost all my life. I've always been a musician. So I come from that place of creativity. And so when it first started, I was doing all the scores myself, like composing all of the scores. I was doing all the, the editing for the story and the pacing and everything like that, putting on the Foley sound. And I realized I had to get some more people to help me. So now with the team, it's really solidified that creativeness, I guess, of the team. And I really think that comes through in the show. You know, it's the creative, like you said, the creativity runs through everything we do. We want to make sure, like I said, it's not education, it's more entertainment. And that's the real difference, I guess, between us and, and others. 
I've listened to a few, not all of them certainly, but I've listened to a few, and I certainly get the feeling that the people, when they tell their story, and that they're actually really enjoying reading their story, their their individual piece that they're they're, they're um, telling your audience about. There's a certain pause before they start speaking, and and I can almost feel them smiling as they they start to uh, engage you and bring you into this world that they're, they're they're telling you all the details about. Oh, absolutely. And who doesn't feel that when they tell a story about, I mean, when you think about it, I ask them, hey, you know, you've got to bring in a story, a moment from one of your travels. And they immediately start thinking of these moments and they've picked out the best one. They've picked out the one that interests them the most. And so when you're telling a travel story, you're taking your mind back to that moment. Who isn't happy when they're relaying this information? Who isn't uh, enthusiastic about this stuff? And the good thing about that is we like to capitalize on that enthusiasm by, like I said, putting in the pacing, putting in the Foley sound, putting in that score to try and really, really put across that enthusiasm that, like you say, they do obviously have for this this period in their life. That's what it is. It's a period in their life that they're reminiscing on. And if they're anything like me, then nostalgia is so much fun. Well, I think... Uh as you said at the very beginning there, I think that we've all experienced it. I remember it myself when you return from what was a big trip at the time and a lot of people weren't doing that type of thing, that you get to a point where when they say, did you have a nice time or what did you do? All they really want to hear is, yes, I had a nice time and I didn't do very much because then it doesn't make them feel so guilty or so bad. But certainly when you can actually embrace the whole telling the story and the content of the story and actually start to exaggerate all those little moments, then, uh, yeah, that's, it's good. It makes for very, very good listening. So I just wanted to say how much I enjoy it, and I'm sure my listeners will, will enjoy it too. Oh, thank you very much. So uh, when did you start then? How long ago did you start doing the podcast? We started on my father's birthday on April the 4th, 2016. So it hasn't been going too long now. I mean, I I recorded the first interview in upstate New York on, I think it was, in fact, it was November, late November last year was when I recorded the first interview. And then for all that time, it was me thinking, hmm, should I do this? Should I publish this? You know, having the imposter syndrome of, oh, you know, maybe it's not as good as I think. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And yeah, with every show, if you, I mean, you, you'll get this with every show, your first six, your first 10, you look back on them now, you go, man, what was I doing? But, <laughs> but it's, yeah. So long answer to a, uh, to a uh, short question, April the 4th, of this year was when we started and and give us an idea of the the range of people that you have spoken with not just necessarily where they've been but sort of the age range as well oh man i mean just off the top of my head, I'm thinking now we've had a couple of uh, youngish travel YouTubers, you know, Kristen Sarah, she was quite, quite young, a Canadian. And then uh, in the in the top ranges we've got, I remember one, Evan Hansen. So he was uh, 64 years old and I made way too many references to the Beatles song when I'm 64 during that interview. But he was 64 years old and he'd climbed 5,000 mountains. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> so, so we've got such such a range of people coming on. I I mean, from all different backgrounds, we got the people, we had one from Australia, this girl who worked, she did 20 hour days working at McDonald's in Australia to, for like nine months to then travel for about six months. And so that we got from there and then we go all the way up to, I mean, even today I recorded an interview with a guy called Frank Salas. Now he's a digital nomad and he's, you know, he's, he's very well off and it was a completely 
different kind of set of circumstances he's coming from. And I mean, in the new year, we've got Henry Rollins from the punk band Black Flag and from a bunch of other stuff. He's actually one of my heroes. I'm really excited about that. So yeah, like you say, it's all shapes and sizes, all age range, just as travel is. It's open to absolutely everyone. And it's the same with the show. And how do you find these people? Do, you, do they contact you or do you pick up their details via friends of friends? It's a little bit of both, really. So I know I know quite a few people. Well, when you travel, as you know, you meet people around the world and you stay in contact with these people, right? So there's a lot of people I know that are into travel. And so they, they'll often read travel blogs. They'll watch travel YouTube channels and everything like that. And occasionally someone will send, send me a name and go, this guy, you've got to get this guy on. And then, like I say, occasionally some people will contact me. And uh, yeah, I guess it's just... Well, things like Henry Rollins. I mean, I, I've been a fan of his for years and years. The same with Rolf Potts. He's coming on in the new year too. He's He wrote the book Vagabonding. He's coming on in the new year. And I don't know, it's a mixture of both really. It's a mixture of both. But I do like to have conversations with people. And when things come up like, oh, this guy's got a travel show in the US, I'll go, ah, that's my man, you know, and I'll get in touch. <laughs> Taking social media and or technology, really, uh, putting that to one side, how would you travel? How would you feel about traveling now without uh, a phone, laptop, whatever? Well, it's kind of the minimalist approach. It's weird. It's weird that what would just be called traveling then is now the minimalist approach to traveling. But the minimalist approach is something that I really enjoy. So for me, I only own five kilograms of belongings in the world. That is, that is all of my, that's all I need. I mean, uh, if it fits in my backpack, then it's mine. That's it. And so for me, I do like it when, um, a lot of the time I'll put my phone in my bag and leave it there for a few months, you know, say for example, I went from the bottom of Vietnam to the top of Vietnam on a motorbike. And then it was just, it was no phone. It was, you know, just a map. It was, you know, old school. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to make you feel old, but it was old school. You know? And uh, I do, I do thoroughly enjoy that more. I'm not really like a travel blogger. I don't, I don't take any photos. I don't even have a camera. And uh, yeah, so that type of approach, I, I love that, man. I love that. So look, I'm introducing you to, to my listeners. So give me a couple of examples or give them a couple of examples of perhaps people that have surprised you in their stories. So as I was saying before about Evan Hansen, the thing that surprised me about his story was just the amount that he did, the amount he said yes to and the amount of kind of adventuring that he did. So in his story, he was climbing Everest and he was climbing another mountain. I can't remember which one it was, but he was climbing two in a few days. And there were all these roadblocks, not literal roadblocks. There were all these roadblocks that kept on being put in front of him. This is, you got to remember, this is a 64 year old chap and he's climbing a few mountains. And so there's these, these things that happen to him along the way where most people would say, right, that's it. That, I'm, I'm done. Someone, someone get me out of here, you know, but he just went through it. And this determination that came from this guy, ridiculous determination. He got all the way to the top, all the way to the bottom. He got everything absolutely sorted. And that coming from a 64 year old guy that's climbed 5,000 mountains. He was one of the most interesting guys I've ever, ever spoken to. 
really, really ridiculous. And another one that immediately comes to mind was Sean Whitehead. He was in the Alps, right? So he was climbing up and him and his friend went the wrong way. And so they found themselves on these major cliff edges clinging onto the hit onto the mountains. And then his friend was just a bit ahead of him. And this is where the story took a weird twist because he goes, and then my friend did what any good friend would do. And he left me and his friend just left him there. <laughs> and it was this whole story of them both, it, both having panic attacks at two different points in the story. And it just unraveled the story unraveled from there. So they're two kind of, they're both, they're both include mountains, but they're two that immediately come to mind about it gets halfway through. And I just think, wow, I did not see that coming. Oh, fascinating. And so your audience then, who who are you getting feedback from? Do you have an idea of who your audience is? Oh, I mean, it's it's all over the place, really. I mean, they say if you uh, if you have an audience that's too broad, you're not niche enough. But I'm okay with that, you know. So, let's see. We get emails from uh, from younger type of hippie millennial types that are. I mean, we've in a way a lot of us. I, I guess I'm a millennial. I'm 27. I don't know, but I guess we've kind of grown up with the option of travel being there. So we have a lot of a lot of millennial types like that with a lot of liberal thinking. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we've got a lot of listeners. I get a lot of emails from from the the older generations. I mean, I get emails from people that are, you know, in their 60s and in their 50s. And again, I don't want to make you feel old. I'm so sorry for saying that's old. But, but we get a lot of emails from the older generation. And they say, this takes me back to when I did this. And they tell me their stories. And so it really does vary. But the main vein that runs through it all is just this love of, well, it's halfway between a love of travel and an open-minded thought process when it comes to life. They're not stuck in this comfortable bubble of life. They're thinking outside the box. That, I think, is the glue that binds all of our listeners together. And so finally then, which podcasts do you listen to yourself? You must have some fodder for your travels to to download and, and help those long train journeys and plane journeys go by. Oh yes. So as for podcasts, I listen to I listen to quite a range actually. When it comes to travel, initially I do like the budget-minded traveler. That's uh, Jackie Nurse. She actually came on our show as well, brought an amazing story. That was quite early on, actually, first season. And she's she's just great. I just love to hear her talk. She's got some fantastic, fantastic advice. I used to listen to her when I was just getting into travel, so I feel that connection to her. Budget-minded traveler. She is really, really good. And so for, for other podcasts, I mean... There's a bunch of them. I have the uh, Bhagavad Gita discourses. That one's not a very popular one, it seems, on iTunes, but I do absolutely love it. But for me, I'm I'm kind of old school in the way that I do like... I, well, I was going to say audiobooks are old school then, but I do like audiobooks. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. But when I'm on a train, I take one book with me wherever I go. I only ever have one book. And that book is a collection of poems from Edgar Allan Poe. I know it's a strange book to take with you traveling, but that is the only book I take. And it will guarantee a smile from me whenever I'm reading it, man. But as far as, as, far as podcasts go, you've got The Budget Minor Traveler, Zero to Travel. Jason Moore also came on the show. He's a fantastic guy. And I guess those are the two that I would definitely recommend. Budget Minor Traveler and Zero to Travel podcast. My thanks to Christopher and Hayden for sharing their passion and enthusiasm. 
I'm sure you'll enjoy what you hear, so please drop them a line to say hi if nothing else. I would estimate it takes me about four hours per podcast, which if you spread that over the 420 podcasts in the library, that equates to 70 24-hour days back to back. Yeah, that's a lot. But these guys put in considerably more. So a little bit of podcast love would be appreciated, I'm sure. My thanks again, of course, go to our executive producer for this show, James Hamilton, for his support. Until next time, folks, there's only a few days left shopping. So take care out there. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear or see more from our extensive free library, please visit theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Thank you.